0: With that, we are activating the grace of God to help us understand and to help us walk in the Word of God for our lives. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I am being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Good. Now we are going on in our teaching on total faith. I've been excited talking about it. We began all of this by reading from the book of Mark, chapter 11. In that book of Mark, chapter 11, the Lord Jesus spoke a simple word against a tree. He did not even tell the tree, die. He just looked at the tree and said, nobody will eat from your fruit again. And the disciples, the Bible says, they were listening. And next time they were passing through, Peter saw that that tree had withered. And he said, how did it happen? And Jesus said, it is because of walking in the faith of God. And he said, if you are walking in the faith of God, if you will say to this mountain, be, be removed from here and go to the other side, he said, it will obey you. And he said, for that reason, I say to you, anytime you pray, if you have the ability, if you find inside you the ability to believe that the thing that you have prayed about will come to pass, it will be granted you. I've emphasized the fact that faith is something you find in your heart. It's not something you try to have. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's it's something you find in your heart. Now, I'm not saying you don't have any control. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, again, that it's not the time you need faith. You try to go and get it. You must have gotten faith before then. The time you need it, you will find it there. You get what I'm saying? You will find it there. So that's what I'm talking about, total faith. Total faith means that I cultivate the habit of faith all the time. I think on our website, we have a teaching there titled The Habit of Faith. That is, I cultivate the habit of faith all the time. I don't just go to faith when I want to pray. I don't activate faith when I need something. I don't activate faith only when I think I need a specific result about something. No. I walk by faith all the time. We read from the Amplified Bible that it said, when Jesus spoke, he said, have faith in God constantly. I like that Amplified rendering because he emphasized that constancy of the issue. Is a constancy of faith that makes it the faith of God. The faith of man is the one you try to use when you need something. But the faith of God is constant. If you don't need anything, you are using it. If you are happy, you are using it. If you are sad, you are using it. You are walking by it constantly. And the emphasis is that when you walk, when you walk like that, our faith is built up. So that, So that when great faith is needed, we will find it. We won't try and get it. It will just arise by itself out of our hearts. If you read the Bible, the two people that Jesus said they had great faith, the centurion and the um, Syrophoenician women, they did not even understand the concept of faith. So it's not the fact that you have thought so much about faith as the issue. It's how you have been living your life. They did not even understand the concept called faith. But they worked in it. And Jesus said it was great in their lives. What's my emphasis? You see, therefore, that what happened was that they were doing some things. In this case of those two people, we saw that love was what brought to them great faith. None of them was asking anything for himself or herself. One was asking for the servant, the other was asking for the daughter. The persistence of desire activated by love made them able to receive faith that is great. I said, if you read my book, Great Faith Can Be Yours, I, that's what I explained in that book. God actually pours a spirit of faith into the heart that's able to receive it. What's our duty? We plant the seeds of faith all the time. As we are planting the seeds of faith, the time will come that we will need that faith to speak up. You will even, listen, you won't even know you have faith. The faith will just work. I don't know whether you get my point. Even will say, okay, now I'm beginning to activate by faith. No, you won't realize you even have faith. The faith will just work. Most of the things you do, you don't realize how much muscle you have. Your children come to you, they are trying to open, you know, like sweet, you know. They have a wrap of sweet. And you know, the child is there struggling. Are you getting my point? And then the child comes, Daddy, help me. Mommy, help. You know, or Auntie, Uncle. You know, just go there. You don't think anything of it. You just tear the wrap and you hand it back to the little child. And the child looks at it, Ah, oh, man, this man is strong. But you did not exercise any energy. That is how faith is. If your faith is developed, you will use it. You will not even realize you are exercising any energy. You will get healed. You will not even realize you prayed. I don't know whether you get to my point. You won't even realize you prayed. You just have a headache. You just said the headache. You go away from there and you continue your work. And the headache packs, waves bye bye to your system and disappears. You're not even careful to testify. Why? You didn't know you prayed. So it's not a testimony. Were it not for the disciples there that day, it not have been re- Jesus would not have remembered that he killed a tree. He would not have remembered that he killed a tree. It's the disciples that say, Ah, sir, yesterday you said no. And Jesus didn't say die. He said, nobody will eat from your fruit again. That is, if you are taking that thing another one year, in that one year, it won't produce any fruit. Or if it produces any fruit, all of them will rot. But Jesus is not concerned about it. He just goes about his business. He's spoken the word. Why? It was a word of faith. What I'm going to emphasize to us again, this is what we are talking about. Our faith must be what? Total. You get that depth of faith when you take the faith totally. When you go like Caleb and follow God fully. When you go like Joshua and follow God fully. You don't follow him piecemeal. You believe God here. You don't believe God there. The area in which you refuse to believe God weakens your ability to believe him elsewhere. That is why you must be careful you don't argue against God's word. Listen, don't ever, like I said the other time, don't touch that scripture. Don't touch that scripture. Never argue against the word of God because when you do that, you may think that area doesn't concern you. But the other areas where you need it, When you get there, you won't find faith in your heart. You will struggle. I said to us, Jesus came and he was healing the sick. No Pharisee could get healed. The scribes couldn't receive anything. What happened to them? It's simple. It was the time of John. They lost it in the time of John. They thought it was a joke. They were laughing at John. That guy can't even dress properly. (laughs) People are listening to him. Did you notice that? He's wearing goat skin. Smelly thing. Wet ghost skin after baptizing people doesn't smell nice. And they sit down in their homes eating chicken and laughing at John the Baptist. The other day somebody sent me an article. There is some colleague of mine that created a chat group, alright, of religion he's a Catholic, devout Catholic, alright? And I don't know whether I think I'm a Catholic or something. I don't know. But he added sir. So we chat. Now in this chat that I received, a woman who was a journalist. Now listen to this. She started the discussion by explaining that. She woke up one day, felt a serious pain in her her side. Thought it was just gall, was a liver area. Thought it was just gallstones and stuff. The doc, after a while, let me make it sharp and make it sharp, sharp. Alright, the the story. After a while, the results came out. She had cancer of the, somewhere cancer around that area, and she began to write on the cancer thing. By the time I finished writing the article or reading the article, I, I I sent a chat back to my friend. Say, please, I don't get the point. What's she trying to say. Now, I'm going somewhere. She sat down, used pages. She's a professional writer. She's a reporter. At the same time, okay, she's a writer, a reporter, and a professor of theology. What do they call professor of theology? She teaches in a theological school. And she's been reporting on faith healers, what she calls prosperity preachers, in North America for a long time. And she, in her sickness, she sat down and continued to show everything that they were doing that was wrong how they'll be naming and claiming. I said, you're about to die, you're still talking. (laughs) Human beings don't know when to repent to. She even added that, I know they will say that it's because of my criticism against them, that's why I get this cancer. I'm ready for it. I said, this woman has a serious problem. So the person who forwarded it, I said, what's her point? I don't get it. So he forwarded to somebody else my question, to somebody, the person who sent it to him originally. So that one now sent another reply. That what she is trying to say is that God is in control. So if God gave her cancer, she should not complain. And finish talking. Ah, You know, I know my circle. So I know, I, know how, I know if it was here, I know I will answer. But in that circle, I had to calm me down. Not to look as if I'm trying to defend the so-called prosperity and faith healers. Let me talk. I just said, let's talk. Let me put it like this. I wore the cloak of a Catholic. I knew what a Catholic wouldn't disagree with. I said, let's begin to look at the scriptures. I said, number one, what is the will of God? Don't we all say the Lord's prayer? I said, the Lord said to us, pray like this, thy will be done. That means his will has to be prayed into existence. Everybody will have to agree with that. (laughs) I said, if his will happen automatically, that prayer point will be totally needless. I said, the fact that his will does not happen automatically is the reason why he gave it to us as a prayer point. So he said... Pray like this, Thy will be done. I said, why do we assume that the fact that she got cancer means that it was the will of God? I said, I read through that article again and again. I didn't see one place where she said, I went to pray, to ask the Lord to heal. And then the Lord refused. I said, she didn't say anything like that. She spent all the time, that's what I'm telling the story, attacking all the faith healers. Attacking the prosperity preachers. Attacking their methods, the things they do, how they dress, the effects, the lights, things that they use on the pulpit. You went in there. You know, <clears throat> Solomon said, I saw how the wicked men used to go in and out of the holy place. And they didn't learn anything. What she didn't know, she, spe- she spent years reporting on these people, killing her own faith. <laughs> the time she needed it, she couldn't muster it up. I said to my audience, people in my chat group, I said, listen, this is a matter of fact. Before we say it's not the will of God, let's ask questions. Before we say God doesn't want to heal, let's try him. I said, after all, in fact, I answered the question, people say that uh, these prosperity preachers, they talk as if God always says yes. You know me, I don't believe God always says yes. I said, does he always heal? I said, no, he doesn't always heal. I gave you a few scriptures. I said, Jesus went, to his home, uh, Jesus went to his own hometown. Could they heal? Do no mighty work. I said, but he gave us the reason. He did not say it's the will of God for them to be sick. He said it was because of their unbelief. They refused to believe. This woman is not believing. I said, does God always heal? At least in that situation, we know why he did not heal. And I concluded with one thing. I said, listen, Paul went to God three times concerning the tongue in the flesh before he concluded God didn't want to remove it. I said, Lad, this woman should at least try. Why am I telling this story? My friend who to us said, listen, that's a very good summary of the whole thing, a good analysis. I wasn't dogmatic, but I said, let's just examine the word of God. What i am telling us the story here, however, is this. I saw that woman's story as a life of somebody that killed her faith while fighting other people. She is not the first person to get cancer. She would not have been the first to get healed in result to prayer. Let me tell you something. That you are here, that you take time out to listen to the word of God, that you give honor to God's word, to people who teach his word, there are times cancer will creep into your system, it will give you pain, you will not know it's cancer, you just know it's pain. And something in you will rise up against the pain, and then the pain will get away from here, cancer will wither and die, and you will never testify, because you didn't know it happened. You thought it was just pain. A brain tumor will come to your head. You'll have this splitting headache for a few days. Then one day you just get up and say, what's going on here? This headache won't trouble you. By the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. The headache will go away. What you did not know, what you will never know, is that were you not one that gave regard and respect to the word of God, that thing would have been diagnosed after six months as a form of brain tumor that does not have a cure. But in your life, faith rose up, killed this early, and you went on normally like Jesus would have walked past that tree as if nothing happened. That is what I'm teaching. That is the emphasis about total faith. We live a life that every time faith rises up, it solves problems. There are problems we will never have. Not because they didn't try to come, but because faith rose up. You were just angry. You were just angry. Ah, Why is it that I sit in the toilet 10 minutes before I start releasing? Why? In Jesus' name, will you stop that nonsense? You didn't know you just killed colon cancer. That is why, listen, as a child of God, I said earlier, there are things you don't get involved in. Don't join those who are always laughing at spiritual things. If you don't know it, shut up. Many Pharisees died needlessly because they were enjoying mocking John the Baptist. Many Pharisees suffered, sadducees, many Israelites. Why? They joined the gang of people That we look at the preacher, they don't like his clothes, and they start laughing. At John the Baptist, they laughed at his dirty clothes. Today, they are laughing at the fine clothes. They are laughing at the private jets. Both of them, the same effect, killing their faith. That is what we have been talking about when we talk about total faith. Now, last time, or at least for the last two sessions, we have been talking about total faith for finances. And I just feel like we haven't finished with it it was the last time I spoke at length. I said so many things, spoke for such a long time. But now I will summarize the things I said in a few minutes, and then pick it up from where we ended it. Uh, let us read this quickly again, so as to use as a connection. Quickly, Proverbs chapter one. Okay, you know what you do. Open Proverbs chapter one. First John chapter two. Galatians chapter six. <laughs> Just open them, sir. Proverbs chapter 1. I'll just read them one by one. All right. The Lord is good. Now, let's read that. um, Proverbs chapter 1. Because we read it last time, I will just jump a number of um, verses just to get to the main one that I want. It says from verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. What is she crying? Verse 22. He said, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? That is, knowing nothing. And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, like we are talking about earlier. Making mockery of things that they do not know. And fools hate knowledge. He said, turn to my reproof. And I will pour out my spirit on you. Now notice verse 24. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. He said at the end of 27, I will mock when your distress and anguish come upon you. 28, then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will call upon me and I will not answer. They will seek me at that time diligently, but they will not find me. What's the reason? Because there was a season for knowledge. They did not tap into it that time. So they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Let me stop here because of time. I made a statement last time. Let me make it again. You don't have all the time in life as a Christian to make the right choices. You don't have all the time. You can't delay it forever. This is the time. To make the right choices. The other one we are going to read. Quickly Galatians chapter 6. He made a statement in verse 6. Um, Do not be uh, in verse seven, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows. That he will also reap. Now, that sowing is not just the thing itself he sowed, but how he sows it or where he sows it into. For the one who sows to his own flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. He said, do not lose heart in doing good. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Now, last of all, I said we should read that, that our first John chapter chapter 2 again, just verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. These are the things of the world. The love of the, um, how does it go again? Sorry, I'm reading a wrong translation, that's why. It just confused me briefly. Anyway, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. It now says something, that the world and everything that people want in it, they are passing away. But the person who loves what God wants lives forever. I just picked a wrong translation, so just manage it. It's is good, though, just that it's not the one I read normally. <laughs> That's New Century Version. I didn't know when I just left it on that. All right. But the point we are making from there is the fact that the world is passing away and the loss thereof. But the person who does the will of the Father is the one that abides forever. Now, we read these three scriptures last time. I just want to summarize everything we said then and I'll pick it up from that point now. Now, listen to this. I explained that life has spheres, it has realms, it has um, um, places you can plant things into. There is a realm of the flesh, there is a realm of the world, that's the same thing. And then there is a realm of the spirit. At the end we prayed that God should help us to understand how to work in his economy. That's what we talked last time. And I just want to summarize everything. The point we, make is this. we made is this, you cannot be sown into the world system. And expect a miracle when you need it. Which is the reason why we read that Proverbs chapter 1. Life has seasons, there is seed time, and there is a time of harvest. It is a place you sow into that you will get your fruit from. If you sow into the flesh, alright, from that place you will reap the consequences of what happens to people who sow to the flesh. Like we saw in that 1 John chapter 2, that the world is passing away and everything people are running after inside it. It's a matter of fact. When you watch TV, when you hear the news, you read newspapers, these are worldly systems being described. They describe it all the time. And it's amazing that Christians are so used to that, alright? They know much more about the system of the world than they understand about the system of God. They know very little about the system of God. We're talking about total faith for finances, so let me sit on it. The world every day teaches us how to be secure. Every day developed society, has a a pension system. Nigeria has one that they developed and is also working. You understand? Everybody has it. They teach you how to plan for retirement. Something that is not found in the Word of God. But we hear it all the time. We think it is normal. We come to church, we teach it as being disciplined with our finances. Churches will organize seminars and bring a worldly man to teach the worldly system concerning money. Let me say something to you. There was something that Rabbi Zachariah said. He was quoting somebody. I don't know who he was quoting, but I heard it from his mouth. So it's easier for me to remember that he was the one that said it. That it appears that the problem with Christianity is not that Christianity has been tried and it failed. But that nobody has, has had the boldness to really try it. And walk with God fully and see whether he will fail. That okay. that is what is lacking. We know that people walk with God and then sink along the way. Not because God fails, but because their faith fails. Yeah. After Peter walked with the Lord Jesus for years, when Jesus was living, he looked at Peter and took pity on the man. And said, I have had a special prayer session because of you. He said, Satan desire to sift you all like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your own faith will not fail. Then when you have been strengthened, when you have been converted, you strengthen your brethren. That tells you, if Jesus did not make that prayer, Peter's faith would have fallen down. Satan would have destroyed him. And it would appear as if walking with Jesus for three and a half years was a waste of time. The Bible says, it is he that endures. Say it again. That's the person that will be saved. Many of us don't endure. And the major reason why we don't endure, I'll tell you. We are not taught enough. Listen, if you're a preacher, listen to me. You have a job to do. You have a job to do to teach Christians the truth and the whole truth, the entire truth of God. Not just, oh God, not just how to give money and get. About the only thing most Christians know about God and money. It's how to multiply it through giving to the man who's preaching it. You start hearing arguments like, can you give your tithe to a man of God? Or you must give it in church. Listen, God has never asked for your tithe as a Christian. It's pastors that ask. It's a modern day invention in Christianity. Not one time. I dare you to show it to me. And By the time you are coming, get ready. I know this book. (laughs) Because all the references you have to give me in the New Testament, there are just three. Two of them were not spoken to Christians. And the person who said the Lord Jesus said these are matters of the law. The third reference in the book of Hebrews was not even talking about it, it was telling a story. That Melchizedek came and met Abraham. Abraham gave him a tithe. And then you know, what who, who, who does that show you? That this man is greater than this one. He was telling a story. There was not one time. But that's about all Christians know. They so don't understand God and finances. That they just pray once you pay your tithe, And you give offerings. And we say things like, tithe is compulsory, offering is voluntary. Boom, fat light. The offering that the Bible talks about, Malachi, you are referring to, in tithes and the offerings, those offerings were not free will. They were compulsory. You had the son, there's a way you redeemed him. There were express commandments. They were not something like uh, offering is free will, it's a lie. The tithes were compulsory. The offerings were compulsory. If you want to operate it, operate it completely, that's what I'm trying to say. But for Christians, it's a different story. God loves a cheerful giver. That is the beginning and the end of Christian giving. God loves a cheerful giver. That is the beginning and the end. He never had any other thing to eat. A lady wrote me the other day, said so I went to her pastor to drop first fruit. The pastor says it's not complete. She told, the, she told the pastor that, please, so. Last time, when I gave everything, I suffered for one month. <laughs> the pastor said, to obey God is hard. And I agree with him on that. The only way I disagree is that God didn't demand that. This one we do these days is not Christianity. The idea of um, I carry my whole January salary and give to a church or a man of God is totally not Christianity. It's a Nigerian invention. Nigerians invented it recently. Huh, I don't know. We, we, we they try You collect somebody's tithe, 12 months. You collect full January salary. Then this man will not tell you Isaac's offering in October. (laughs) When you hear some of those things, I read a prophet yesterday. His name was Hananiah. The one I was quoting on Tuesday. Jeremiah went to Hananiah. Hananiah said, in two years, this thing will be gone. They will return the things of God. Jeremiah said, Amen. Let it be like that. Me too, I want it like that. But that's not what God told me. Jeremiah went back and said, Listen, God said 70 years. But that's not my story. My story is that and Jeremiah and I came back to Anaya and said, You have made the people believe a lie. God said, For that reason, this year you will die. Two months later the man was dead. The preacher stopped saying things God did not say. Don't promise what he did not promise. Now, there's the reason why I'm saying all of these things. I want to emphasize to us, listen. The economy of Christianity, of God, for the believer, total faith for finances is beyond tithes and offerings. That's what I'm going to emphasize. That's why I'm saying all of these things. Christians, that's about all they know. That's where most of their understanding ends, and the understanding is even defective. That is why when we are praying, I make it a rule. All right, To recite that I have not come in the power of my good works. Because people still think that once I have given money, God owes to multiply my money. Which is not true. A cheerful giver is what God loves. And a cheerful giver gives all the time without thinking about what he or she is giving. Cheerful giving is an attitude of faith. It is, and I, I want to talk about that today. It's my understanding on, of how, what money is. And what money does, how it's supposed to be used. That's what it means to be a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is not just somebody who dances when he's giving. A cheerful giver is an attitude. I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Money is not my God. It's a tool that God gave me. When it's time to spend money, I spend it. Why? That's what God said. Sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. I understand that God gives seed to the sower and bread for food. Which means that everything that God gives me, a portion of it, I'm supposed to eat. A portion of it, I'm supposed to give out. And I just sit down and I portion it as I understand at each point in time. And I don't feel anything about it. I'm not feeling like I should be thanked specially. Just because I gave an offering of a million naira. Pastor should call me to acknowledge it. And if he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't know those who are really working with him. That's not a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver just says it is work. Somebody had time to go and sweep. God didn't give me that time. Everything is a tool. Time is a tool. The broom is a tool. I couldn't go there. What God said I should do is to send 10 million naira. I don't expect any thank you that is from the people, more than the one they gave to the man who came to suit the place. He had the time, he had the energy. I didn't have that. What I had was money. So each man gives according to what he has. That's a cheerful giver. If I need anything from God, I don't even discuss that matter whether I give or I did not give. I kneel down and ask. The only motivation God needs for giving to me is that Jesus died on the cross for me and I believe in Him. Period. If I hold on to him by faith, he releases everything to me. That's a cheerful giver. I'm trying to emphasize something. Christians, oftentimes, the only thing we know is this issue of give money, give tithes, give this, first fruits. And then we start hoping on it. The economy of God is wider than that. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. The economy of God is much wider. And we want to have faith for finances. We must operate that economy totally. For example, it matters to God how I get my money. It matters to him so much more than how I give it. Because righteousness to him is crucial. If the source of the money is smelly, don't bring it near his temple. That's total faith. You can't have faith... Only for let me give. No. Because wait, where did the money come from in the first place? It's in, So this Christianity which God is helping us to read ourselves off, is when people just think that once I come to church and I settle God, he's settled. No. No matter how much you give, if you're a thief, listen, the Bible says there is a curse in the house of the thief. Give from now till tomorrow makes no difference. A curse is in your home. Total faith of finance. That's what I'm talking about. Christian, I want to just let us give. Where is the money coming from? Where is it coming from? Our faith extends, it starts from where we get money. It's not how we give it. Our attitude, our understanding of that thing that's called money. In fact, there's a scripture I wanted us to read to start this particular teaching, but I just, I just fell into it while I'm trying to review what I said last time. And let me just continue. One thing I was saying earlier, let me just drop it, is that because Christians don't get this point, I just want to summarize that and I'll continue what I was saying now. We take the economy of the world, the system, we sow in it. We sow in it all the time. Then we expect miracles from God. About all most Christians know about planning for the future is material. It's about Americans will tell you about 401K. Nigerians know, you know, Nigeria's most popular method is landed property. Oh, that's it. That's Nigeria's most popular one. Landed property. Build as many houses as is possible. As you finish this one, you start building the next. Once you are earning well, I know people that they are constantly building. As far as their consent, all that God gave me extra money for is to be able to build enough to collect rent, and then distribute to my children as their inheritance. We do all of these things, and straight in the face of a clear commandment, we disobey God. He said, "Don't lay up treasure on the earth." It is clear. Don't lay up treasure on the earth. Once it is the laying up of treasure, God said directly, don't do it on the earth. God's economy, let me say something about God. I said it earlier. Rabbi Zachariah said that people haven't tried, they've not obeyed him, they've not understood what he does. They like to play safe. Obey God small. Lay up treasure small. Then we learn how to pray prayers to preserve our earthly treasure. So if you give God a tenth, he will rebuild the devourer from demolishing your house. If you like, give him nine tenths. If you lay up treasure on the earth, the treasure is under a curse. It's not, listen, it is that you have sowed into the flesh. The fact is, nothing, nothing, Can hold your treasure for you on this earth. Let me say another thing. Heaven is real. When we say heaven is real. I don't mean when you die you go there. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean as you are here right now. The heaven of God. Where your father resides. Is real. Jesus said. Our father. Who resides in heaven. From there he provides for the birds of the air. From there, he dresses up the flowers of the field. What does that mean? Treasure laid up there is safe and real. It's not imaginary. It's not something we are just, we'll find when we die and go to heaven. Treasure laid on the, in, in heaven is real. Jesus said something. He said, sell all you have, Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. What he was saying is that you can keep treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven is real. My brother told me that he was talking to one of his colleagues once. And that one said to him that he has a million dollars in investment. He looked at this guy. Maybe about it, they work in the same um, company. I don't know who's senior, all right? But this guy, from the salaries they were earning, he had invested money, turned it over, done a lot of good business, and he had a million dollars, right from Nigeria. He said he went back home and told his wife, My girl, how much do you think we have in heaven? He said, if a man... Can have this much confidence in laying money on this earth. If I'm truly a Christian, I must be very active in laying money in heaven. He didn't go. He didn't feel intimidated. They say, "Hey, you mean?" He, you know, a, a lot of people say, "My mate has a million dollars. What have I been doing?" He's only said, "Wow, this is diligence. That a man who doesn't believe in God the way I do is very diligent to amass a million dollars." me that claim to believe in God, um, do I have a million dollars in heaven? So he made up his mind Say, I will save God more than before. I will give more than before. Why? Every man must plan for his future. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. He didn't cross his mind that, let me to gather a million dollars on the earth. A best preacher has preached. That your net worth, calculate everything you have, remove your liabilities, that's your net worth. I felt like I said, excuse me, sir, you are lying. I don't note my, my net worth materially. My life is hid with Christ in God. I can't calculate it. I don't know the value of the work that I have done. I'm not even hoping on it. What I just do is that I follow God Aggressively. He said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take it by force. My job is to be violent until I die in pursuing the kingdom. I'm talking about investing in heaven. Heaven for us, believers, is real. It's not a joke. It's not something that, uh, you know, that's why, listen. If you think you can, let's take money. You can calculate, I've given God 10%. I've added an offering to it. I have tried. Your head is not correct yet. Spiritually, your head never... That is, you have a lot of things to learn. You cannot relate with God on a calculation basis. You can't. You can't. If we're talking about debt, that is, we are owing or we are not owing. You know, I make a joke about my wife. That is, her natural tribe. She's from Niger Delta. When I got married, the bride price was 200 naira. Don't be impressed. The amount of wine I bought. <laughs> you know the way Americans do you? Americans, say, when they want to sell you a book, a used book, they, tell, they won't tell you the book is $5. They tell you the book is one cent. Shipping cost is four ninety nine. <laughs> you know why they do it? Because they have a very organized society, law-wise and all of that. If you don't like the book, you can return it. But by law, when you return the book, you have been owed how much? One cent. One cent. <laughs> so that is a little trick. So if I send the book for $5, that is 499 that is one cent for the book. Shipping is four ninety nine. I bought a lot of used books like that. All right? Now, I'll tell you about my joke. So when I got married, during traditional wedding ceremonies, my father had to pay 200 naira. As a bright prize. And then they said, I remember the spokesman for my in laws.